Hey, Brandon, October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. I wanted to talk to you about key tips for developers in improving awareness around secure coding. What are some key tips for developers? Well, um, there's some really, really, um, I would say legendary resources out there. There's the list, the OWASP Top 10, uh, which just released its 2021 version, uh, which you know it's in draft release right now. Um, the OWASP in general is an amazing resource for learning anything related to application security. So if anyone who is interested in application security or secure coding knowledge wants like a first stop to go to when it comes to applications for application security knowledge, I would say the OWASP website is the first place anyone should go to. You know, uh, I had an interesting thought, Brandon, when I was first hearing about this new OWASP Top 10 and thinking about, mm -hmm. you know, the training aspect. And like, if I'm well-versed in the current OWASP Top 10 and the new one's coming along, like, is there going to be an easy way for me to go, hey, there's there's three new items here. Like, I do I need to come up to speed? Am I good? Am I Do I need to learn something new? Um, it's really interesting, Arthur, because... You know, when we looked at the list of the new OWASP list, uh, there were some consolidations. Um, there were things that remained unchanged. I think uh, broken access control injections and, uh, if I recall, like security misconfiguration was pretty much, you know, un you know, for the most part left untouched. And then there were some brand new categories uh, and categories with name changes. So there were really only. To, you know, if I recall correctly, only three brand new categories. Um, I think it was insecure design, software and data integrity failures, server-side request forgery, I think those were the three. Uh, so I, I don't have a good answer for whether someone should just look at those three because some of them, again, there were some cons consolidations. Um, but I think if you were familiar with the OWASP top 10, or at least the 2017 version, uh, coming up to speed on the new version of the OWASP Top 10 will not require uh, as nearly as much effort. You know, I know a lot of people are very reactive in terms of cybersecurity, mm -hmm. uh, since the Cybersecurity Awareness Month. I want you to talk a little bit about some of the proactive things that people can do in terms of ongoing trainers, training and awareness around secure coding. So I'm going to actually uh, answer something else first before I answer that question, and that is why there's a need for secure coding training to begin with. So Forrester um, issued a report uh, on, I think it was the State of Application Security 2021. I think that's the name of the report. But in it, they identified applications as the number one attack vector, first of all. Uh, and applications are also the number one cause of breaches. So that just underscores the importance of application security. Yeah, so it's it's critical to have ongoing awareness and, and training simply because the vast majority of college students who take us uh, coding classes at, in college are either not exposed to or not required to take any kind of security training. Um, and there are varying statistics out there and surveys that report that in anywhere from 53 up to 71% of developers in the workforce uh, who have never had any form of secure coding training whatsoever. So if you look at the OWASP top 10, um, whether you look at the 2017 version or the 2021 version, 
uh, injection vulnerabilities, which were first discovered over 20 years ago, remain in the top three. So it, it was number one in 2017, and in the draft version, it's now number three. So it's that's very telling because injection vulnerabilities are one of the easiest things to, for a software developer to fix, but only if they know how. So you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, based on the the statistics that I mentioned a, a short while ago, the reason they don't know they don't fix them or the reason why these types of vulnerabilities continue to exist is simply because they've not been trained on on doing it. So there's a very real, real um, a need for um, and uh, for secure coding training and and ongoing secure coding knowledge. I think about these, you know, you know how I feel about injection, right? Like it's preventable and, and we should have moved past it. It shouldn't have taken us 20 years, but we on one hand, it's still high up on the list. On the other hand, it's shrinking the list. And what it brought to mind was, I'm going like five years from now, 10 years from now, like hopefully we're not still talking about injection as a top three. But then I go like, what's next? Because when you mentioned it a moment ago, Brandon, my first thought was like broken access control. Mm -hmm. If I was going to go out on a limb and make a prediction here, Kevin, like sometime between 2025 and 2030, broken access control will be the OWASP number one. <laughs> what do you think? I think insecure design is eventually going to be up there because I think by and large, the way in which you do modern software development, um, more and more people are building software systems and the design becomes such a critical part. So I'm glad to see insecure design as part of the top 10. Uh, it's just a matter of how we go about detecting it, uh, providing visibility around it, um, being able to provide compliance validation, because, you know, a lot of the OSF 10, we can automate a lot of that stuff. So it's just trying to figure out what are some tools and what are some improvements and innovation that is going to be coming up in the next couple of years that will allow us to kind of uh, have some compliance validation around insecure design. Yeah, I'm curious to get you, both your opinions on this move towards low code slash no code application development. How do you think that will will um, have an effect on the security of applications? How do I think taking untrained people and turning them loose with untested components will affect security? Is that the question? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't hold back, Arthur. <laughs> Kamikaze, man. Kamikaze. Yeah, it's 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 going to be brutally dangerous, right? When I when I look at you know to shift gears a a slight shift to the OWASP API security top ten. People have all these little bits and components that they glue together in APIs and that, you know, gluing components is the basis of low code, no code. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is that the you have, you know, use cases and misuse and abuse cases. But now what you have are unexpected use cases. And we literally may not know whether authentication will block this particular path, for example, or broken access control. So, yeah, I think the, the low code, no code thing is part of why I feel like the broken access control is going to move up the list before it moves down. Mm -hmm. And and I think that Kevin's basic statement there about insecure design is an awesome to me. It's a it's a goal. It's aspirational because if we get to the point where design is the issue, it means we've solved some of the other ones. So I, I feel pretty good about it. And I'm hoping you're right. Well, the other thing is I think threat modeling becomes a, a, a phenomenal way to kind of expose some of those issues around low code, right? Um, one of the things we, we got to be aware of 
is the different touch points that can be attack vectors, right, by gluing a bunch of things together. We're starting to see a lot of this with uh, the way in which we build software today. So the question becomes, you know, how can we help provide uh, organizations with the ability to give them insight on how to uh, correctly assemble <laughs> software in a way that it does not expose vulnerabilities uh, so or create vulnerabilities. So I think, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, here at Parasoft we're aware of is just a matter of understanding and, and seeing how these things kind of manifest over the next couple of couple of years. Hey, Brandon, it's been good talking to you. Uh, do you have any parting shots before we wrap up? So I, I don't think, you know, it's easy to see, you know, to make the case for why secure coding training is important. Um, again, because of the fact that, you know, it's common vulnerabilities that were discovered decade, literally decades ago are still very prominent and prevalent in in um, in the application space. Now, how do we get better at making sure that developers are well-trained? Um, so I think, you know, if we, we need to first have some sort of empathy for what developers are facing today. They're dealing with larger volumes of code than they've ever had to in the past. Uh, they're likely, um, you know, pushing out code much more rapidly than they've ever had to in the past. They're using a lot of components uh, with vulnerabilities and not, you know, most of them aren't trained to to spot them and or uh, remedy them or remediate them. So, you know, given that, um, give that and the, the, the lack of um, exposure to security uh, and in the past, whether that's in, in university or at a boot camp or in the workplace, how do we take all those things and roll them up into a, uh, some sort of solution that will enable them to practice more securing, secure coding practices without taking up too much of their time? And I think it's really important to look at ways that we can make training relevant to them as well. Uh, and you know, on our part, at least, that's, those are the things that we've tried to solve for, the, the problem of motivation, the problem with the lack of time, um, and, you know, our secure coding training platform incorporates data from SAS and DAS tools, as well as bug bounty programs uh, to create adaptive training programs that allow uh, developers to only take lessons that are relevant to them. Uh, and they're based around the vulnerabilities that are actually discovered in their code. Um, you know, and we make it easier by creating lessons that are bite-sized um, it's a hands-on training, so hands-on training is much, much better at um, at being able to help someone understand uh, the theories that they're learning uh, instead of just consuming it uh, in an every abstract and very distant fashion. So I think it's very important to to try to use science, uh, what we know about science, from a learning perspective to uh, applying some some empathy towards the the challenge of secure coding. Uh, and give developers training in a way that is very um, sensitive to all the things that they're facing uh, and have to contend with. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the biggest things I'm taking away from um, what we're doing in modern software development is is being a developer advocate. Developer mm -hmm. developer advocacy is very important because, as you mentioned, there's so much on 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 their on the pile of things to do is just is just causing a lot of uh, issues uh, downstream in terms of how people go about delivering and deploying software. So, yeah. hey, I appreciate your time, Brandon. This has been awesome. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, doing more with you, sir. All right. Thank you very much.